Welcome to Circles of Gold. This is Danielle, and I am so glad that you're here. I really hope you enjoy this next story. In this episode, I had the opportunity to chat with an old friend, Sarah, about her struggle with infertility, the birth of her son, and their journey to adoption. Sarah is such an inspiring woman that carries so much love and joy for her life. Hey everyone, welcome to Circles of Gold. I'm Danielle and today my guest is Sarah. Sarah and I met uh, quite a long time ago actually um, through photography. We both did photography. Um, I think it was kind of when I started out, I don't even know, I was like maybe like 2009 or something, 2010, I can't remember. So quite a while back and um, I felt like Sarah had a really good story to tell. So I reached out to her and asked if she would share and she agreed to come on the show and share her story. So Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. Yeah. I, well, yeah, we did. We met, I think I started doing photography in like 2008 or seven or, you know, lightly. And then that's kind of how we met maybe at a, a guild, like a photographer's guild. Yeah. I think it was a a meeting. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of our initial meeting, and what we had in common was photos, which I still love. I just don't do full time anymore. But, um, but yeah, so that was when I was in. I was married at the time. I mean, still am. I say at the time, goodness, but still am married. Um, I was going to school for architecture and doing photography on the side. And so I graduated in 2008 with my bachelor's and 2010 with my master's in architecture. Um, And then shortly after that, moved on um, from photography full time, still did a little bit, but went and worked at an architecture firm for a few years and started working towards my license. Um, During that time at the firm, I think it was um, 2011 when I started there, um, in 2010, when I graduated from college, my husband and I talked about, okay, this is kind of a good time. Let's, I think we should maybe have a kid. Let's, yeah. let's see what this is all about. So we started trying to have a kid um, and that didn't work out so well for us. We um, went for a little while with no success and went and saw the doctor and, you know, asked if there was anything we could do, found out that I had PCOS, which Mm. affected my fertility pretty strongly. So, um, we kept trying and decided to go to a fertility specialist, probably about 2011 when I first, when I got my first job at an architecture firm, um, 2011, 2012, and, um, started doing just some medications to try and help and ended up um, getting pregnant and then found out it was an ectopic pregnancy um, Mm. and miscarried pretty early, maybe five or six weeks along. Um, So that was pretty devastating when you go, you know, you're kind of waiting a year or two and get exciting news and you think this is awesome it's happening and then it's kind of ripped away after five weeks um you know and you're pretty leery at first I think anybody is when they first get pregnant and also if they've had trouble you're kind of like okay you know the whole rule of thumb let's wait till after the first trimester to tell anybody Mm -hmm. but we were so excited so um we started telling our family and some close friends and then um had the miscarriage. So that was pretty devastating. Um, so we waited, you know, just a, a little bit, maybe a month or so, and 
decided to go back to fertility clinic and visit with them um, about what we needed to do from there and decided to try doing the IUI. Um, it was kind of the least invasive that we could do. And we were really leery of IVF just because of the cost and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the idea of it's pretty invasive. So we we're like, okay, yeah. let's, let's go the easy route or, you know, I say easy, um, let's go the easier route this is the first time around. So the first IUI we did was in the spring of 2013 or first of the year, 2013 and got pregnant. Uh, the first time we tried it. So that was pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we were pretty excited and, uh, that was the pregnancy that I was pregnant with our first little boy Fox. I love that name. So (laughs) where did that name come from? I remember when you first posted his name Fox and I was like, that's interesting. I like it. I wonder where that came from. So do you have like a backstory to that or? No, I mean, really my husband and I just, we wanted a really simple name, like one syllable. We just Mm. wanted something pretty straightforward. And so we just kind of started throwing ideas out there. Um, And I think John, my husband, he's the one that said it first. And at first when he said it, we were like, oh, that's cute. But we didn't really latch on to it. But it kept coming up in conversations as we were kind of thinking about names. Uh Um, You know, before we knew if it was a boy or a girl, we were kind of talking about girl names and boy names. And they were all like one syllable, very short, like three or four were, you know, three or four letters long. Um, And we just kept going back to Fox, Fox, Fox. And Mm, we always loved the name Joaquin. I think before we ever even decided to have kids, Because in the beginning of our marriage for a while, we kind of talked about, like, we don't even know if we want kids. We're not sure if that's something we want. Yeah. Um, But we always liked the name Joaquin and always kind of said, like, if we ever have a kid, we're going to name him Joaquin. Um, And so when we did find out we were pregnant and we started thinking about names, Fox just came up. And then we started saying, you know, well, Joaquin is something we always wanted. And they kind of just flowed together. It went together really well. And then at that point, it was just like, okay, if we have a boy, their names will be Joaquin and Fox or Fox Joaquin, something of that order we just didn't really know which yet um and we hadn't really you know 100% decided on it because we didn't know boy or girl um but we kind of that was pretty much our top pick so there wasn't like a family name or anything um of that nature we just really liked that it was short simple and you know I mean honestly kind of cool we were like okay we're gonna have a really cool kid so he's got a yeah. cool name <laughs> I was gonna like say everybody. your husband just look cool so kids are gonna have cool names there's gonna be like that's Fox or what yeah like yeah you know I mean, it's like something yeah. like strong but kind of cool so like I mean it. you know my husband He's got long hair. We went, used to go, you know, before we had kids, we went to the lake all the time. And he's a cowboy. I mean, like, we were just like, okay, we need something short to the point, you know. And then I, you know, I always joked, like, I need something I can, like, yell really loud to get onto him or something, you know, <laughs> like something short that I need yeah. to, like, just jump on him. But, um, but yeah, so that was really just it. It wasn't, it wasn't any sort of family name. It was just something that we both really, really liked the first time we said it. So love that. Um, but yeah, we, you know, you name him Fox and then pregnancy goes on and how does that, how does that go? Yeah. So, well, honestly, we didn't officially name him Fox. Um, 
when we first even found out it was a boy, that was kind of the one in the top running. And I guess <laughs> both of us kind of in our gut kind of knew that that would be yeah. our child's name, but we hadn't officially said it. This is what his name is. Um, but the pregnancy went on, everything was going great. We got out of the first trimester. And so, you know, the doctors and everybody tells you like, you guys are past like the hard the part. scary part. You're yeah. past it. Everything's fine. Nothing, you know, everything's okay. Nothing can go wrong now. Um, you're good. And so obviously we, you know, make the announcement to our friends and family, call everybody, tell them, do the, you know, the official Facebook, Instagram, all of those things like, Hey guys, you know, we're having a baby, um, kind of a post and we were really excited. Um, and that was probably, I guess, you know, 13, 14 weeks along and everything was going really, really smooth. I mean, I didn't have morning sickness. I, I didn't have any troubles, nothing. I didn't really even have cravings or feel bad. Um, everything was going great. And then at our 20 weeks, so we went in for our 20 week anatomy scan. Um, we went to, uh, Dr. Adkinson, I believe in Lubbock Mm -hmm. was his name, which a lot of people go to for their 20 week scan. I guess they have better equipment than the regular doctors, but, um, went in and everything was going good. Um, at one point the nurse was doing the ultrasound and she, I guess Fox was wiggling around and she couldn't get a good angle or a good measurement. And so she kind of just left the room and left the door open and John and I are staring at each other like, well, what's going on? And, um, comes back in with the doctor and told us at that point that they couldn't tell that Fox looks like he uh, might have a club foot and that was really all that they could see at that point. And we're like, okay, okay well, that okay, big deal. Um, you know, we'll help him with that. No, you know, no problem. At that point, they did, you know, confirm that it was a boy. So we were really excited. We kind of knew before our doctor um, had kind of told us that it looked like they were 90% sure he was a boy. Um, but we hadn't officially told anybody that yet because we didn't know 100%. And so they yeah. confirmed it was a boy um, and then told us about the possible club. But which was no big deal. Um, and then at that point, the doctor then brings in all these pamphlets about um, trisomy 21 and Down syndrome and other um, disabilities that could come along with a club foot and just honestly freaked us out. Um, Just kind of laid it all out there like because we saw this one marker, these are all of the things that could possibly go wrong or be different. And we were just kind of shocked not expecting any of that, um, on our appointment, just expecting to hear that, you know, everything was as we assumed it was and going great. We weren't expecting to hear, uh, that something was different. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was pretty devastating just to know that things weren't what we thought they were. Um, after the initial shock were off and my, honestly, my nurse practitioner with the doctor that, that I used for my regular OB-GYN doctor, um, called her and she kind of basically talked us off the ledge saying like, y'all, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do some tests. We're gonna look at these closer. It's okay. And 
something she told me at that moment in that evening when I called her just saying, I don't understand what's going on. You need to explain this to me. You need to tell me now, 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 like what's happening. Mm -hmm. She said, does it matter if he has Down syndrome or trisomy 21 or any of these other disabilities that they talk to you about? It doesn't matter. He's still your baby and you're going to love him. And I thought, you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't change anything. It's just not what we imagined it would yeah. be. And so it still was hard to kind of walk through that and go, okay, things are not going to be the same as we envisioned, but they're going to be fine. Um, and so we kind of went through that shock and scare and a little bit of a knockdown at a ultrasound that you're expecting to just hear like, yep, everything's good. Okay. Go about your day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, in the end, when Fox was born, he ended up not having a club foot and he ended up not having down syndrome or trisomy 21 at all. He was, um, I don't even like to, I don't even like to say normal because that is awful. He just didn't have a disability like we thought he would have. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in the end, all of that worry and that scare that we went through with the doctors, it was, it was for not, it, 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 it was honestly, I feel like it was something just preparing us for the future. I mean, that, that event and that experience with the doctor, it changed my heart to other kiddos with disabilities or whether they're mental disabilities, physical disabilities, um, any sort of disability, I don't even see that anymore. Those yeah. things don't even, I don't even recognize those as being a problem. It's just, okay, that's how this kiddo is. Let's level them just as they are. Mm. And I'm, I mean, in a weird way, grateful for that experience because it did, it completely changed my thinking on those um, situations. So that's why that part of our story is important to me is yeah. it really um, opened my eyes to go, Hey, that none of that matters. Like none of that matters. If, if Fox had down syndrome or any of the other disabilities that they talked to us about, Oh my gosh, we would love him just so much. And we would love to have him here with us right now, no matter what. So that I'm really thankful for that experience, um, in a weird, crazy way. Yeah. Um, just because it changed my perspective. Um, but with that experience, after we found out that news and we were kind of going through that and processing that, um, knowing that he had, or thinking that he had a club foot, we had a really good friend who is a Shriner and we had actually donated and given toys and money to the Shriners hospital every year, just because we had a good friend that was a part of the organization and we knew they did really good things. And we liked the idea that, they personally take the toys to the hospital every year um, and hang out with the kids that are there. Um, and one of the hospitals is an orthopedic hospital. So at the time when we thought Fox had a club foot, we called Randy, our friend, Randy McGee, um, with the Shriners and talked to him about it and asked him, you know, hey, is the Shriner Hospital something that we can use to help? 
help Fox when he's born if he does have a club foot. And he said, absolutely. You guys have been donors, you know, and if you need the use of the orthopedic hospital or surgeons or therapy, it is all open to you free of charge. That is what they do. And we were just floored by that, like knowing that that organization would just simply because we gathered up toys and I mean, gave what a little bit of money to them every year. It then allowed us to use their services if we needed it. And we just, we thought that was amazing. That is amazing. Um, And so now that's something we do every single year in memory and honor of Fox is every year we try and do more and more if we can, but we go to Walmart and we just go on a shopping spree and get toys and socks (laughs) and shirts and we give whatever we can because in that moment when we were pretty devastated and scared and not knowing what to expect, um, that gave us a lot of peace knowing that the Shriner Hospital would have helped our little boy with whatever problems he had at no expense to us, which was just, was crazy. We just thought, oh my gosh, really? We can go use their services free of charge. And that's just what they do. So that's why we just love the Shriners Hospital so much. So that's a little plug for Shriners. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to link them. uh, Yeah, (laughs) Please do, because I just think it's, and they also have a burn hospital in Houston. Mm -hmm. They do orthopedics and uh, pediatric burn center in Houston. And there's other hospitals around the United States, but I know that I believe the Shriners in Lubbock and the surrounding area, those are the ones, those are the two hospitals that they go to every Christmas to take toys and and money and t-shirts and socks and things that either the kiddos or the families need. So we just really love to do that. And it just makes us think of Fox and just remember him and kind of, you know, help out the kids that need it since we didn't get the chance to use those services. But, But so that's, that's, something that's really special to us is the Shriners Hospital. Yeah, that's um, good. But after all of that, I guess, devastation and scare, we went through that a couple weeks and we finally, our, 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 I guess our minds stopped racing and we stopped thinking about all of the, what should have been or what could have been. We settled into it and, realized everything's going to be perfectly fine. We love this little boy. It does not matter what disabilities he have. We will move mountains to make it as easy as we can. So Mm -hmm. we just kind of got past that and we were back in a really good place and happy and excited and just moving forward with our new, what we thought was reality. Um, And that was, you know, that was at 20 weeks we had our scan. And then at 23 weeks, five days, um, I can remember it like it was yesterday. (laughs) Um, It was a Wednesday and I was at work. I was at the architecture firm working and I had not felt good all day, but just, you know, like like you just kind of ate something yucky and Mm. I just kind of felt a little sick to my stomach, but wasn't a big deal. Um, so I actually left work maybe 30 minutes or an hour early that day, um, and went home just to rest on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I do want to point out, which is kind of wild is about 
two months before um, this day, which was August 29th, 2013, actually August 28th was the Wednesday, um, 2013, about two months before that, um, the architecture firm I was working at had um, the receptionist left and they had an opening for a receptionist. So they actually got temporary help um, until they could find a permanent replacement. And so in walks a girl named Alex Owens to be uh, just a just a temp job. She was going to answer phones until they could find a permanent position. And she was probably, oh gosh, what is she? Probably six or seven years younger than me. Um, and in walks Alex to do temporary reception work. And she was pregnant. Um, and she was exactly one month ahead of me in her pregnancy. So we kind of talked and got to know each other a little bit. And, you know, we were in the same stage of life at that moment. And mm -hmm. she was pregnant and she was due one month before I was due. Um, and she had been there about a month just doing temporary work. Um, I, at that point, it was kind of looking like she was going to come on full time, but she was still a temp at that moment. Um, and I remember on a Wednesday, one month to the day before we lost Fox, um, she lost her little girl at 24 mm -hmm. weeks. Oh, um, and so I was pregnant at that time and we were not far apart. And I just remember, our boss at the time came in the office and let us all know that she had called and she had lost her little girl and was going to go into the hospital the next day to have her. And I was just devastated and I felt mm. horrible because I was pregnant and she had just lost her baby and we were nearly right on the same path. Yeah. Um, I was 20 weeks at the time. She was 24 weeks and she had just lost her baby. And I just remember sitting there at my desk and crying for her and thinking how I couldn't even imagine going through that. And I don't even know what to say to her. And I don't know how to address it. And um, and then exactly, I mean, that was on a Wednesday. And exactly one month later on a Wednesday, I left work a little bit early, not feeling that great. Um, and went home and was laying on the couch. And John was there and just was saying, well, how do you feel? Are you okay? Do, are you concerned? I was like, no, I just don't feel that good. And he left to go, um, to Walmart to get me like some Gatorades and things. Like I called my nurse and yeah. said, what do I need? You know, is there something? And she's like, just, you might be dehydrated, drink a whole thing of Gatorade, you know, put your feet up, just kind of the usual, basically you, Take you should probably rest. be okay. Just drink lots of liquids and rest. Yeah. Um, and then one hour later, um, my water broke oh, at goodness. home and I called her immediately and she said, get to the hospital immediately. Do not walk inside, stay in your car. We will come out and get you with a wheelchair. Um, and I mean, John had left for Walmart and my water broke right before he got back home from Walmart from getting wow. me some Gatorades and waters. So we jumped in the car and I mean I can replay that drive from our house to the hospital down Quaker Avenue um, all the way to Covenant Women's and Children's and got there and they came out with a wheelchair and got me and took me up to a room um, and then the doctors came in and 
checked and did an ultrasound and baby Fox was still, there was still a heartbeat, but my water had broken and I was already dilated to a four or a five, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, just within that short amount of time. And at that point it was probably 10 o'clock maybe in the evening that we got there. Um, and they started talking to us about basically this baby's coming. He's very early, um, started talking to us about all the what ifs, you know, what, what do you want us to do? If, you know, do you want us to do everything we can to save him? Do you want to hold him? Do you like telling us all of the, if he survives, these are the problems that could arise. These are the things that could happen, you know, just a flood of information in a moment where we're just basically in shock and staring at the wall going, what is happening? Um, And so at one point they kind of just stared at us and said, what do you want us to do? And we just looked at each other like, we don't even know how to answer this. We don't, I, I mean, at that point we were both just numb. And John said, before we make that call, will you please check him again and see how he's doing? And so they did another ultrasound right then in the room and discovered that there was no longer a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So we knew that he was gone and thankfully and not so thankfully, we didn't have to make a call of yeah. do we put everything we have? Do we fight for this? Do we see what happens? You know, we didn't have to make that call, um, which is a terrible call to have to make, but it was also terribly devastating to have them do an ultrasound and know that there was no longer a heartbeat. So we, at that point, just waited and I was still in labor and I gave birth to Fox the next morning on August 29th at 7.41 a.m. And um, it was by far the hardest and worst experience we have ever gone through, John and I both, um, losing our little boy Fox. So, Yeah, man. I... I don't remember if you really shared that story after you kind of went through that. I don't remember, but I knew you guys lost Fox, but I couldn't really remember um, what happened. And so, man, that's traumatic for a first time mom and dad and just really quick, you know, and it was, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, I still, you know, I, I understand after that experience the term, the practice of medicine, because nobody can know 100% what is going to happen and nobody can, you know, envision the future or look for every possible thing to go wrong and test for that um, mm-hmm. beforehand. So, you know, I was kind of frustrated and mad for a while because essentially what happened was... Um, it was just preterm labor and I guess my, I forget, I even forget the term, but, um, my cervix just couldn't hold him in. So, you know, later after this happened, 
and we lost Fox, the doctor said, well, this won't happen again because now we know it can happen so we can do a stitch and to prevent it. Yeah. To prevent it. And I just remember being so mad and thinking, why couldn't you have done that before? Why didn't you do it before? Why didn't you prepare for this? And I understand that that is not, they, you just don't know that those things are going to happen. Yeah. Um, Usually there's like signs that this is happening. Usually you have, you know, a few things and that way they can look at that being an option as to what's going on, but you, you know, you didn't have any signs. So it just, nothing. It just happened. It just happened. And, and, you know, I would go through my head and think I did something like, oh my gosh, I lifted something that was too heavy or I did, I, you know, I was too active on this day or the, the days before, you know, I did, I caused this. And, um, that was really difficult because I would go through all those things like, what did I do? Why did I do this? And, um, I just, I had to realize that there was just absolutely no way to know that this was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. And it just was terrible that it happened so quickly. I mean, just from me getting home at five o'clock and resting on the couch to, I believe it was around nine o'clock that my water broke and we rushed to the hospital. So, I mean, it was a matter of four hours from just feeling a little bit, not so great to in the hospital with my water broken. So yeah, it was, that's, that's why I say loosely, we were in shock. I mean, we were numb. We just had no idea what was going on. You just thought you were dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Like get get some Gatorade in her. She'll be fine. Like, oh yeah. Okay. And that's a lot to process. So it is. How did this affect you in your marriage with John and and all of that? Was it something that took a while to kind of work through or did you guys work through it pretty well together? You know, I know I have heard, you know, in some instances where couples struggle and they maybe argue or or grow apart. um, And it honestly did the opposite for us. I mean, we like clung to one another. We, it made us exceptionally close. Um, We sort of kind of just blocked ourselves off from everything else and just focused on one another. Um, We dove into our work and just work, work, worked. We were building a house at the time. So we would just go over there by ourselves, just me and him to our house that we were building. And I mean, we would sweep, we would put hardware on, we would sit there and talk. We would, we planted the yard ourselves. Like we just basically turned to one another and did everything together. Um, and it made us incredibly, incredibly close. That's good. We talked about it all the time and it was hard. Or, I mean, we had nights where we would just sit there and cry and we couldn't hardly even talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then we'd have nights where we would talk about them and it would be great. Or we would have nights where we would just be angry and talk about it and just basically get all of those emotions out. Um, just like I said before, some people would say some really insensitive things and we would gripe about them to one another. (laughs) Some people would say some really nice things or did really nice things for us. And we would talk about those instances or those ideas or, um, I I think our neighbors across the street from our new house brought us like just a casserole 
Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if they knew that we had lost our little boy or they were just bringing us a casserole because we were moving into a new house. Yeah. Um, but that made a big impact. People that we had been friends with for, for a while that weren't really close with would send us cards or just a gift card to go out to eat together or something. And those things really meant a lot because we learned that with grief, a lot of people are scared to talk about it or scared to mm-hmm. talk about the loved one that that we lost or or anyone loses. Um, and what I learned in this experience is you talk about them and whoever that person is that lost their loved one, they will greatly appreciate hearing someone say their name, making them a hundred percent real. Um, and that was really tough with losing our baby because a lot of people since, you know, he was never, essentially here for people to play with or talk to or hold Mm -hmm. it almost like became like he just was never here and to us he was absolutely a reality he was our little boy that we lost and so hearing people say his name or just acknowledging that we had had a loss and we lost our baby and hearing them say box and our little boy or our baby um that made a huge difference to oh, us, yeah. people that would acknowledge it. And and I realize it's uncomfortable for some. They just don't know how to address it. Or they, yeah. if they haven't been through it, then you just don't really know how to talk about it. But I try to tell people all the time, I'm like, absolutely talk about it. It's okay. And I promise you, whoever it has happened to, if you ask them how they're doing and say their baby's name, they will love you for it. I promise. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today. I wanted to take a quick break to extend an invitation to all the listeners. If you have a story that you really want to share with Circles of Gold, please contact me. I would love to get your story out there. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. And if you know me personally, just shoot me a text or call me. We'll get that set up. Enjoy the rest of the show. it's good that even though this was really hard, it brought you guys closer together in a different way than before. And, you know, you have that opportunity to either grow apart or grow together, like you said. And that's just really good that you guys focused on each other and getting each other through that, um, together. So that's really good. Um, so I remember seeing this, not really announcement, but just, seeing this um you guys were going to adopt how or when did you guys decide to start looking into adoption was it something you sought out or did it just kind of naturally come to you um in a season um well so when we when we lost fox um that was in august of 2013 um when we went back to the doctor for my checkup after having him, um, you know, the doctor at that time says, you know, okay, you can like, we're going to get you pregnant again and we'll get, we'll make this happen. And I remember that really bothering me because, you know, we had just lost our little boy four, six weeks prior. Um, and he's already just kind of saying like, oh, we'll get you pregnant again. And we're thinking, we're not worried about like, we can't replace him. He's not 
being replaced and we don't know if we're ready to go through this again, especially after they did some testing on the cord blood and kind of determined that the reason for the loss was, um, I got well, incompetent cervix. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for the loss was because of that. Um, and so, you know, they start saying like, Oh, we know what caused this now we can prevent it the next time. I just remember being so angry thinking we're not trying to replace him. Yeah. I wish I would have known about this before. Um, we're still grieving. I don't know that we can even consider this at this point. So, at that point, we just kind of quit going to the doctor's period. I was like, I'm not going back to the fertility clinic. I'm not taking any more medications. I'm not doing any of that. I am done with it. So the last part of 2013, we just abandoned all talk about having another baby. We decided we're not even going to think about it. We're just going to grieve and get through this season and we'll worry about having another baby later. Um, at that point, we just couldn't even really think about it. Yeah. Um, and so after, and another thing to point out, Fox's due date was Christmas Day. Um, and so we knew that even discussing or going through anything before then was just not even going to be yeah. a possibility for us. So we were honestly scared about getting to Christmas day because we knew how hard that was going to be. Um, and it was, it was the rest of that year was, I mean, it was miserable. So sure. we got through Christmas and got through the new year and decided to, you know, John and I would kind of talk about it and see what, where we both were and our, 10 year anniversary was coming up in April of 14. So we kind of made a deadline and said, okay, we have a 10 year wedding anniversary. Let's, let's plan a trip. We need something to look forward to. Um, so we planned a trip to go to the Bahamas for our 10 year anniversary. Um, even though we kind of didn't really feel like it, we thought this will give us something to look forward to something to, you know, have in our future that we can, you know, think about coming up. So we did that, planned that and decided that after our trip, we would, um, figure out exactly what we wanted to do. If we wanted to keep trying, go back to the fertility clinic, um, or start considering the idea of adoption. We hadn't really talked about it fully before then, but we knew that that wasn't something that we were going to say no to. We just thought we wanted to keep trying this away for a little bit. Um, And so we just kind of got through that. And then we went on our trip and the trip was a really great opportunity. I mean, we sat on the beach and had a cocktail and talked about Fox and our future and what we thought we wanted to do as far as trying to have another baby or fertility, all of those things. It, it just gave us a completely shut off time to just sit there and just talk and work through all of that. So it was actually a really good thing for us to just focus on one another. No working on a house, no working at work. Just yeah, just being together. Back. Yeah, just be together, relax. And we just kind of talked through all of it. Um, and so at that point, we decided we would 
try the fertility clinic again and um, we would do the IUI again and we decided we did not want to do IVF. That just wasn't something that we wanted to try for. So when we got back from our trip, I called the fertility clinic again and made another appointment to go in and start the process. And since we had already been with them before, we didn't have to kind of go through all the beginning stages. We just kind of jumped right into it. So in June, um, I think it was June, May or June, we went in and did the IUI and it didn't work. And so we thought, okay, we'll try it one more time um, and we'll see what happens. And so we went in for another IUI and I guess they overstimulated my ovaries and it made a whole bunch of eggs. Ooh. And so they were saying, we don't really feel comfortable doing an IUI. There's too many eggs. because <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't want you to have 10 babies. I said, I don't either. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so they kind of talked to us and said, I know y'all said you don't want to do IVF, but we've overstimulated your ovaries and it might be you could transition into an IVF um, with this cycle because there are so many eggs. Um, and so we were like, I don't know about this. We said we wouldn't do this. I don't know. We need to talk about it. So we went home and talked about it and decided, you know what, maybe these are our cards. And so that was kind of our, our thing. We said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to transition into IVF and we'll try it. And this is it. If yeah. this doesn't work, um, then that's it. And so we called in and they, called in all the medications that you need for the IVF process. We bought all of them, which are incredibly expensive, yeah, <laughs> had is. them overnighted, you know, went through all this kind of scared, but then excited, like, okay, maybe this one, maybe this is going to work. And, um, and then took all the medications like one night of them or one round, I believe, and went in the next day for them to do an ultrasound, um, to see the progress. And they told us that, we had, I had a lot of eggs, but none of them were fully matured and it wasn't going to work. Oh, wow. Um, so we're like, so we didn't even get to do the IUI or the IVF that cycle. Cause I guess my ovaries made a bunch of eggs, but they weren't mature and they weren't viable. So we just had to abandon that whole cycle. Wow. And so at that point they're saying, well, we can try again next month. We'll do IVF next month. And we're just like, nope this is it. Like we said, this was it. Yeah. We were going to try it. It didn't work. Um, we didn't even get to really move forward. So we're like, Nope, this is it. And at that point, I mean, my husband was a hundred percent on board. I mean, I think even before that point, he was a hundred percent on board with adoption. He said, let's adopt. I'm done with this. I'm done with the chance of getting pregnant adoption. Let's move forward. Um, and I still had a little bit, it wasn't even hesitation. It was almost like I had to grieve the idea of a biological child, mm -hmm. um, which now looking back and having our little boy, it seems so dumb to me because <laughs> that doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Um, but at that time it was just another big change and it was another yeah. big difference of what I imagined our future looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it took me, you know, I don't know, maybe a week, <laughs> but I just remember driving home from work one day and it just like popped in my head. 
And I thought, why? Like, of course we're adopting. Like, 100%. We are doing this. And I just remember completely feeling at peace. It's just like my mind had to soak it all in, process it, Mm -hmm. and go, okay, this is what we're doing. And I just remember being so happy. And that night, we got, like, I think on my phone or something. We are on the couch, 10 o'clock at night. We're filling out the application on the adoption um, company's website, filling it out, just thinking we're filling out an info questionnaire, basically saying, we just want a little bit of info about what yeah. it involves to adopt. And lo and behold, we get a call that says, you've been accepted to come to our um, orientation. And we're like, oh, okay. And it was in Fort Worth. We went through an agency in Fort Worth. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'm thinking, oh, they just, you know, like everybody that fills this thing out, they get bring chosen. them into their yeah. orientation. <laughs> They're like, yes, come adopt from us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so we're like, okay, we might as well do this. Like, we don't know anything about the adoption process. It's all pretty well foreign to us. So let's just go. It's in Fort Worth. We'll make a weekend of it. It was two days of orientation. And I'm thinking that's a lot like for just an intro, you know? Yeah. Um, And then we get there and it is like, I mean, they have binders, they have our names on tables, like table places and um, come to find out that there's a pretty big vetting process that goes into who they invite to their orientation weekends and so we actually just on a whim filled out an application and were passed through to the first round essentially. <laughs> and then at that point is when you apply after you do the orientation weekend, they give you a huge binder of all mm-hmm. of these things that you have to do. <laughs> and I thought, Oh my gosh, like we just went past the first step without even really knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were pretty excited to know that, wow, we really, we didn't realize we were being, um, interviewed at that point, but we really were. Um, we just thought it was kind of like a welcome weekend here. Whoever wants to come, we'll tell you about the process and then we'll let you know if you can, you know, apply. But, um, so that was kind of exciting. We were pretty excited about the idea of, um, starting the process. We had no idea how long it was going to take or how money, how much money it was going to be. Um, but they went through all of that with us that weekend and talked about how much it cost and the wait times on average. And they had a little question and answer session with some birth moms and some adoptive families. And it was awesome. And we ended up interviewing or kind of having a little meet and greet with a Lubbock adoption company as well. And we liked them both. They were both great. But the one in Fort Worth, we actually went through Gladney in Fort Worth. Um, we just felt completely comfortable with them. And just our gut told us, okay, this is this is who is going to find us our baby. Yeah. Um, so we went through all the paperwork, you know, the background checks and the mm-hmm. fingerprinting and all the, the things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Send us your tax returns. We need to know how much to charge <laughs> you and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's it's kind of similar in, in the fostering realm of like, we have to make sure you're not, you know, a secret mass murderer and all of these things. You're not a terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. So, and you know, there was still some frustrations. I mean, when you're waiting, it's inevitable. You're, we got frustrated. We were excited. And then the clock keeps ticking and the calendar keeps rolling, you know, away and the months pass and the years pass. And we're going, this is ridiculous. They're not, you know, they're not trying hard enough. They're not looking for the birth moms that would fit us the best. And, um, luckily I had some friends and I remember seeing you at Lowe's one day, um, with your little boy who is probably not so little anymore, but <laughs> I believe he, you, he was still in foster care with you guys. Y'all hadn't yeah. officially adopted him yet. Um, so I had, I think never it was gotten... like right after we got him actually. I think, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was like, I don't even think he was two yet. I think he was one or one and a half or something. He was pretty little and he was sitting mm-hmm. in the cart and I remember seeing you and like that just renewed my spirit because I, and I remember going home and telling John, I saw Danielle, I got to see their little boy. He's so cute. He has long hair. We want our little boy to have long hair. Like he has his <laughs> big brown eyes and, um, and it's just really funny because John and I always talked about, you know, our little boy, like how cool would that be if he had big old brown eyes and black hair and yeah. who knows you know, what race they will be or where, what their culture will be or how old they will be. Um, but we always just kind of talked about that. Like, Oh my gosh, what if our little boy has big brown eyes and we would love that. (laughs) Um, and lo and behold, he has the biggest, prettiest brown eyes and the blackest hair (laughs) and long hair. (laughs) I remember when I saw his newborn pictures and I was just like, Oh my goodness. I want to eat this baby. He is so cute. That hair and those eyes. Oh, I know. Yeah. When we met him, I was just like, Oh my God, look at the hair. He has so much hair. This is the best thing ever. Like, Oh my God. Oh, and he was so tiny and he had just a head full of hair. It was awesome. I Um, I forgot that we saw you, but yeah, yeah. yeah. We've gotten our little boy and, um, before we got him, actually, we, had I have PCOS too and you know all of that struggle and tried and yes. we did yeah. the Clomid route and that's where we stopped I was like I can't invest emotionally yeah. anymore into this I'm, yeah. I'm done yeah. and um I finally came to the terms of like your body's not going to carry another baby and you have to be okay with that yeah you have to be okay with that and so I finally came to terms we're just going to have Joseph and we're yeah. just we're just going to live the best life that we can with one son and we're just going to be awesome like that and mm-hmm. Not even a week later, we get the call about our little boy. And I was like, what? I just came to terms with the yeah. fact that I was having one kid and now I'm Surprise. getting a one-year-old. Like, this, just, this doesn't make sense. How, I, don't, I don't know what's yeah. going on here. And, of course, yeah. I'm like, yes. And I was like, wait, I got to talk to my husband. But I'm pretty sure it's going to be a yes. And they were like, yeah. okay, you just let us know. Yeah. I know it. So, you're like, yes, yes. Oh, wait, there's another person in this. You're like, Let yeah, me talk to God. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, I forgot about that. But that was right after we had gotten him. He had actually just turned, I think, 14 months old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He and, was, I swear, I, I'm pretty good at kids' ages now that I have one. I can't <laughs> judge it. But yeah, I think he was like a year and a half probably when I saw yeah. you guys. So, yeah, he was still little. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm glad that kind of gave you hope of like just seeing me in that situation and oh, kind of knowing, 
our background and struggle and, and all of that. So that's, it that's did so cool. much. I just remember thinking like, oh my God, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to put a little boy in the front of a cart and drive him around Lowe's. Like how right. awesome would that be? And I, I love it to this day. Like I don't go to the grocery store with me, go to Lowe's, like whatever. You can ride on the cart. You can jump in the front. I don't care. Like I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> You're going to be so rotten. That's pretty much my parenting style. It's like, I'm just thankful that I have you. So we're just going to do whatever. Yeah, We're just going to, whatever. You want to go to the yeah water park? Let's go, kid. (laughs) Right. Um, So you guys finally, how did you guys get your, get matched and all that? Did that take a while? Oh gosh. Yeah. So August of 14 is when we went for our orientation at Gladney. Um, and then I think September ish is when we got officially accepted into the program. And at that point we then had to do like the home study and the background checks. So we went through kind of the first phase and got accepted to go further. So in September we started gathering, you know, we had to do the classes, the, which was crazy. It kind of made me mad because they, they make you do birth classes. I'm like, why are we doing child birthing classes I was so mad John and I just basically stared at everybody in the class Mm -hmm. like we don't we're just here because we have to be don't talk to us like we don't want to be a part of this we're just gonna sit here yeah we're like we just have to so oh I just remember like that was the only thing during the whole process we were like why the heck do we have to do this class but it was like okay we got to check it off we got to check the box we got to do it um CPR classes which we were really grateful for those we'd like to go back and do a refresher but did all those classes and um, sent off our final paperwork like end of September, October-ish, um, and then finally got the the official word like we were on the waiting list. I think in October, end of October, um, kind of got the email that said, "Okay, everything's been approved. You are officially waiting." <laughs> so it's kind of like, "Okay, but that yay. was exciting. Like, we made what? it." You know? <laughs> Yeah, like now we're we're in the waiting line, you know, so it's like, okay, now what? And basically, now what is like, you just sit and wait. Um, we made our profile books. Um, I, John always crossed me. He was like, oh my gosh, you overdo it. I was so, you know, I wanted it to be perfect. I'm like, should I put this yeah. picture in front of this picture? Does this sound dumb or does this sound good? Or is, is this birth mom going to think we're crazy or is she going to think we're cool or, you know, and John's like, oh my gosh, just, it's going to be fine. And I'm like, it has to be perfect. Um, so we made those and sent those off. And then we were just waiting. Um, and then, you know, it took a while, probably 10 months-ish, 8 to 10 months. We kind of got our first opportunity. So our caseworker would call us if there was ever a birth mom that maybe had some things in her background that we had, you know, we had lots of interviews with our caseworker about Mm -hmm. what we were open to, whether it was background or circumstances or physical um, disabilities, mental disabilities, all of those items. Yeah. You know, what are we a hundred percent comfortable with? What are we 50, 50 on where we might want to talk about it rather than just sign off on it blindly? And what are we absolutely not comfortable with? You know, so we've, we had those conversations. Um, And so that way, whenever she had a birth mom come through that needed to see profile books of families 
she would know, could I give them their profile book without asking them? Or do I need to call them and just run some things by them to make sure? Because they didn't want to show a birth mom a profile book of a couple and that birth mom fall in love with them. And then that couple say, no, we're not comfortable with the situation or circumstances. So they always called if there was a questionable um, situation just to clear it with us. So about eight or 10 months in, we started getting a few of those phone calls. Um, And I remember in the beginning, they were um, a lot harder. They were, you know, birth moms maybe that had some drug history or drinking history and things like that. Maybe some mental illness in their past um, Mm -hmm. that There were some mental illnesses that, you know, we would call our doctor and talk to them about and say like, hey, what, you know, how do we address this? Are these things we should be concerned about or we should just know more about or learn more about Um, just to know that we were fully understanding of what situation we would be getting into if we, you know, put our name in the hat, essentially. So there were a lot in the beginning that we had to say no to, which was incredibly hard. It was a a lot harder than I ever realized because I felt like I was telling a tiny infant, no, I don't want you. Um, and a friend of mine who's an adoptive mom, um, I remember her before we started the process, she told me, she said, there are going to be situations that you have to say no to because they don't fit for your family. Just remember, you are not telling that baby no. You are telling your baby yes. And I thought that is such good advice because I would have to tell myself that every time that I am not saying no to this baby. There is another family that is perfect for this baby and this birth mama. All I'm doing is I'm saying yes to my baby that's coming in the future. And so I completely understand that now because I know that all of those no's that we said that we weren't comfortable with those situations, it only got us to our little boy who I can't even imagine could be more perfect for Mm -hmm. us um, and our family. So, um, so yeah, there were some of those. And so we ended up waiting about a year, two and a half years um, wow. before we got Boone. So um, there were, there was maybe two or three that we did say yes to that we were happy with the situations and we felt comfortable and we knew enough and they put our name in the hat and, you know, they would give a birth mom four or five profile books, I think of couples mm-hmm. for the birth mom to then look through and, and narrow it down to one or two that maybe she want to talk on the phone with or meet. Um, and we never got picked. And so that was kind of hard because there were some previous that we said yes to, and we were like, okay, you know, we're waiting, you know, a few days thinking we're going to hear that birth mom picked us. And then our caseworker would call and say, well, she picked somebody else, you know, it's okay. We'll find, you know, we'll move on to the next one. And I remember that was really hard because it's like, why weren't we good enough? Um, you know, why didn't you pick us? And so that was pretty devastating. So towards the end, we started getting pretty (laughs) frustrated. We're like, this isn't happening. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. What's going on there. You know, that's when we start saying that they're not trying hard enough for us. Like they're not advocating for us enough. Um, and then we had to do a second home study update. Um, cause mm-hmm. we had gone past the two years you have to do one every yeah. year. We had gone past the two years and that we were really disappointed at that point. Cause we thought after two years, we thought surely we would have a baby by then. Yeah. Um, and we didn't. And so after the two years, they had to do an updated home study and it ended up where our caseworker who was actually had moved to Houston, 
um, she couldn't come do the update, do the, the home visit because she was in Houston and she couldn't make it up to Lubbock. Um, and so a caseworker out of Midland was available who we had never met before. Um, and she, they were saying, well, she can come do the home visit. And we're like, oh my gosh, we don't even know her. Like, we just wanted to talk to our caseworker and, yeah, you know, basically vent and talk about our feelings and like, tell her, like, just talk and say like, are we crazy? Or like, what's happening? Do we need to change something? Are we, you know, are we being too picky or like, what, what are we doing? Are we doing yeah, like what's wrong? going on? Yeah. And so we were kind of disappointed, like, our caseworker's not even going to come up here. We're going to meet this girl we don't know. And she doesn't know our background. She doesn't know anything about us. Like, it's just going to be a formality. So we were kind of disappointed. Well, then she showed up and, oh my God, we just loved her. Like, she was <laughs> so sweet and so bubbly and talkative. And she knew about it. Like, she had read about us. And she was just, like, the sweetest. And, I mean, we kind of liked her better than <laughs> Our original caseworker were like, we want you, we love you. And she was just the sweetest thing. And she got to come to our house and this was probably in, I don't know, first of, I think it was right before, or no, it was right after Christmas. So it was first of January ish, right after the holidays, she came to our house and, you know, we sat there and talked for a long time and we got to tell her about our disappointments and how we were feeling frustrated and she was able to talk us off the ledge and kind of yeah. give us you know just tell us like I promise y'all some hope you're give gonna get hope. a baby like just yeah. hang in there I promise um and then she was about to leave and I was like do you want to see the nursery like I want to show somebody the nursery because we had actually already had a baby shower to prepare because we didn't know were we gonna have three months, you know, uh, notice, were we going to meet a birth mom while she was pregnant and be able to prepare for a birth? Yeah. We didn't know if we were going to get a two month old. Like we, we just didn't know we were in the infant program, but the infant program means anywhere from pregnancy all the way up to one year. So we just, we had no clue. So my friends threw me a baby shower to help me prepare. Um, everything was gender neutral. So, I mean, our nursery was done. All we mm -hmm. needed to buy were clothes and diapers and formula. Um, and so before she left, I was like, do you want to see the nursery? And she's like, oh, well, sure. If you want to show me, I'm like, yeah, I want to show you. I want to show somebody. <laughs> so we got to show her the nursery and she, you know, we got to talk about that and then she left. Um, and then I swear it was a, two weeks later, maybe, um, we got a phone call from our original caseworker on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Um, and she never called on the weekends. Like she only called, you know, eight to five. Yeah. On Friday. When your caseworker um, calls you on a weekend, you're like, what's going on? Something's happening. Yeah. Something's moving. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. And like she called on a Sunday at four. We had been outside. So I missed the call and I'm like, well, she just called. I, I guess I better call her back. So I called her back and she was like, Hey, I just, I had a birth mom that I had, you know, I had a few things in her background. I wanted to talk to you about, um, before I show your profile and she was like, well, the reason why I'm calling on a Sunday is she, she actually had the baby yesterday. Um, and she hasn't been working with us at all. She had the baby and then told the hospital that her plan had been to, um, choose adoption, but she had the baby a month early and she didn't ever have a chance to get a hold of anyone. And so the hospital actually got her in touch with us. And so a caseworker has been working with her yesterday and today, and she feels like she is a hundred percent ready to choose adoption. 
And so we're going to show her some profile books, but I wanted to ask you before I showed it to her. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. And so she told me all of the things in her background and I'm sitting there thinking, this girl sounds perfect. Like, why are you even asking me? This should be one of those where you just show her our profile book and you don't need to call me and ask me. Um, But John was outside and I was like, okay, well, let me talk to John. I I mean, it sounds great, but I just, I want to talk to him since, you know, we're a team and all Mm -hmm. Um, tell him about her and both of us say yes. And I'll call you right back. Is that okay? And she's like, yeah, just call me back. So John came inside and I had, you know, I always wrote everything down, all of the facts in the background yeah. and telling him all this stuff. And he's like, why are you even calling us? This Like, she sounds amazing. Like, she sounds perfect. And why are they calling? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm just like, whatever. I don't even know. So I call the caseworker back. Um, at this point, it's like, I don't know, 4.30, 4.45 on Sunday. And I called her back and I had her on speaker because John was right there. And I was like, hey, I was like, yeah, I talked to John. And of course, I was like, and I was like, show her our profile book. And I joked and I was like, throw everybody else's in the trash, you know. I was like, just show her ours. And she kind of laughed and she's like, well, she's like, I kind of, I feel bad. I want to apologize because I lied to you. And I'm like, what? And she was like, she actually already picked you guys. And I just wanted to make sure you were on board before you oh. do that. And I just started crying. And I'm going to cry now. But I'm I just like started crying. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And me and John, like, we're silent. And we're just oh. staring at each other. And she's on the other line going, hello? Hello? Are you there? And John's like, we're here. Sarah's crying. She can't talk. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you dead serious? I was like, don't, I was like, are you serious? You know, I'm just like going, are you serious? Are you serious? And she's like, I'm dead serious. She picked you guys. Like it's done. Like she picked you guys. She wants you guys. Um, baby was born yesterday. She's like, do you even want to know what it is? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, it's a little boy. And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, it was just (laughs) like the most surreal crazy experience um and I'm like well what do we do you know and she's like you need to go get your baby and I'm like right now and she goes no take the night she said he was he's in Midland he was born in Midland and I was like oh my gosh how crazy is that like we're in Lubbock he's in Midland he's just two hours away from us yeah and she was like actually the caseworker that y'all met last like two weeks ago that came and did your home study she's the caseworker that has been working with her and like she showed them like she thought of you guys when she met her she said I know the perfect couple and she said she showed them your book and she picked you guys. And I mean, yes. she showed us with other couples, but she thought of us and put us in the running. Um, and then she picked us. So we, I mean, so the, at this point it's like five, five fifteen, and we're just like a frantic mess, you know, like a ball of nerves going, Oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? I start running in the nursery and like taking tags off of clothes that are like 12 <laughs> months, 18 months. You know, I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. John's like, what are you doing? I'm un- unpacking bottles that are meant for a one-year-old. You know, I don't have any clue. You're like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have I'm a baby. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't even know what to do. And John's like, and so, and then the caseworker she's like well she wants to talk to you guys on the phone tonight just as like an initial kind of break the ice so let's do a phone conversation tonight 
Um, and then y'all plan on leaving in the morning um, to come get him. And we're just like, oh my God. Um, and at that point in Texas, they have to wait 72 hours from the minute the baby's born to sign the papers, um, uh, the release papers. And so she hadn't signed those papers yet. So, you know, our caseworker talked to us about that. She was like, she hasn't signed those papers yet. She'll sign them Monday morning because he was born Saturday morning or yeah. So I guess it's 48 hours, I I guess, because she had him Saturday morning and we went and got him Monday. Monday. So yeah, that was 48 hours. I guess that is kind of the time frame. Um, but they said she hasn't signed the papers yet, but we feel very confident that she is very confident in her decision and knows this is what she wants to do. Um, but we will call you the minute she signs the papers because you will probably be on the road in the morning headed here. So we'll make sure, you know, so you feel comfortable. Um, and so that was a little bit scary because we're like, well, I mean, she could you know, change her mind. She could decide to parents. And, you know, this, that was a little bit scary that 24 hours, 12 hours that we had to kind of think about that and wait. Um, but our caseworkers were very confident that she was, um, making the decision, hundred percent and knew exactly that this was what she wanted to do. So, so at that point we're like, well, who do we, you know, like, what do we do? We got to call people. We got to tell them. And so I'm trying to call my mom and I'm like, Hey, what's up? You know, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, is dad there? And she's like, Oh, he's outside mowing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, and I don't want to tell my mom, you know, I want to tell them together. I don't want to tell them separate. I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I'm like, okay, well, cool. Well, I'll just see you later. And she's like, well, did you need something like, no, I'll just call, you know, just like, no, just call in to see what's up. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> and John's just like, so what, why didn't you tell her? I'm like, my dad wasn't there. I'm not going to tell him separate, you know, I yeah. to them together. And so I'm like, you know, so I call, I think we called like my sister and John's sister and John's parents. And then I call my mom back. I'm like, Hey, what are y'all doing? And she's like, Oh, your dad's in the shower. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, now what? And so I'm like, is there come up with a lie? I'm like, okay, well, you know, I was just going to ask about this. Okay, cool. See you later. You know, get off the phone. And I'm like, he's still, he's like in the shower. He's not there. And so (laughs) John's just like, oh my God. And so we wait a little while and I finally call my mom back. Like, I don't know, I don't know, nine o'clock that night or something. And I'm like, where is dad? And she's like, what are you doing? Like, she's thinking, why are you calling me just constantly and pretending like nothing's up? And I'm like, where's dad? And she's like, he's right here. I was like, okay, put it on speaker. And she's like, okay. And so then I told him, I was like, well, we're washing our car in the middle of the night. We're at the car wash. At this point, we like, we didn't know what else to do. So we went to the car wash to vacuum the car and wash it. We're like, we got to have a clean car for a baby. That's right. You got to. So we're at the car wash and I'm like, well, we're at the car wash, washing the car. And she's like, okay. I'm like, so we can go get our baby in the morning. And she, I mean, of course my mom Uh, just starts crying and she's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And I'm like, no. And she's like, that's why you've been calling so much. And I'm like, well, I didn't want to tell you without dad on the phone. (laughs) And so... So it was I love that. a pretty exciting evening of basically just running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Like yeah. we had no idea what to do. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I love stories like that because it goes to show, even if you aren't having this baby from your oh. body, 
Everyone is still so supportive and so excited when you call them and tell them we're, we're having a baby. We we're picking up our baby and it's still that same excitement and just feeling and it. It's the same, you know, whether they're your blood or not. It's, I mean, we had the same experience with all of our kids and every time, I mean, now we have six of it or six of them, but with each one of them, you know, it was just like, Oh, we're so excited. I'm like, I know, yes. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh my gosh, uh, another kid. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just love that. It kind of made me teary of like you yes. telling your mom and you just, they're just so excited for you. You're yes. finally getting your baby that you waited, you know, those oh, two gosh. years for. And oh, yeah. so I oh, love yeah. yeah. My mom's like, can I, I want to come. Can I come? I'm like, no, you cannot come. <laughs> We'll call you when we get there. <laughs> so you guys, you now we know you have um, your baby boy and you guys named yes. him a really cool name, of course, because yeah. you guys love cool names. His yeah, name is what? another cool one. Yeah. So his name, his, his legal name is Julian Boone Bradshaw, but we call him Boone. So I yeah. love it. Yeah. So. Every time I see his name and his little face, I'm like, you are a Boone. Like you. Yeah. Are super cool. You have a super cool name. Sorry, my three-year-old's yes. in here with me now. Hey, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> I've made it a, a few episodes of not having a child with me, but she's she's in here now. So, um, okay. So, you guys got Boone. You get home, and how? Like, what did you expect motherhood to be, and what was it really like for you? I know it's oh, a different gosh. situation. Like my experience was different when I had Joseph versus any of the other kids that we've had. It's just different. And I think it's yeah. like that, whether you have a baby or you adopt a baby, your experience is going to be different. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, I didn't really know, you know, with Fox, we were not lucky enough to get to take him home from the hospital. So my only experience has been with Boone and, I, I went through a lot of the same things that I feel like I probably would have gone through had we brought a baby home from the hospital that I had given birth to. I mean, we got home and my mom came and stayed with us for a week and helped with middle of the night feedings. John helped. I mean, that was the nice thing about formula was that John and I and my mom, I mean, we all got to have that special time with him. Yeah. We had a team. We all, yeah. Like we all did it. And then my mom stayed a week and then John's mom came and stayed with us. And I mean, just like if we had given birth to a biological child, I mean, our moms came and helped. My sister came to town and stayed for the weekend and helped out. And I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, I was exhausted just as if I had given birth. John was exhausted. Um, you know, we were walking around like zombies for a while. People brought <laughs> us food. My sister cooked us frozen meals, um, and left them with us. I mean, so I just, I felt, you know, when we first decided to do adoption and chose that, it was almost like I had to grieve the idea that we weren't going to get the same experiences yeah. that other people got when they give birth. And that was not the case at all. I mean, it was, I mean, I feel like we were in labor for two and a half years while we waited for him. (laughs) And then we had him and brought him home. And it was just like, there was no there, you know, and a lot of people, um, 
not in a bad way, but would just ask like, well, do you think you're bonding with him? Or do you think he's attaching? I'm like, the minute I held him in the hospital, like there was no question. There was not an ounce of doubt in my mind. This was my baby and I loved him and I would do anything absolutely in the world for him. Um, And so there was never a feeling of, oh, I hope we bond and I hope we attach and all that. I mean, it was instant. And the same with John um, and everyone in my family. I mean, everybody, like, he is absolutely no different than if we had given birth to him. Yeah. He could not be more of all of ours. So. I love that. I'm, I'm, I love that you had that experience um, when you got him and you got to experience from birth of this is your newborn and, and yeah. that life. And we did that yeah. with one of our babies. And I was like, I yes. forgot what this is like. And yeah. it was, it was funny because I think about not a few months in, but it was, a, it was in that first year, but I looked at my husband and I was like, I feel like I have a little bit of like postpartum depression, but not <laughs> like I had it with Joseph in a different way. Yeah. But And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. It's just a weird feeling I've been having. And I mean, it kind of was, it was just, I didn't give birth to her, but my body like sleep deprived and, you know, having six kids and it was just a lot. And I said, I feel like this is like familiar. Um, and so I, I talked that out and all of that, but yeah, it was really interesting how my body just kind of did that in a way. And yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Biological adopted, like they're kids and they take our a hundred percent attention. And sometimes it is overwhelming in our minds. Like think us as girls too. Like I know I have the problem of thinking, you know, I can do all of it and I have to do it all really well. Mm -hmm. And if I don't do it all really well, then I'm this horrible failure. And I think that we, we do that to ourselves sometimes. Like we just kind of expect too much from ourselves and sometimes mm-hmm. I have to put myself in check and go okay just go play in the playroom don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> just go play <laughs> just take a break just stop thinking yeah. just go yeah. just walk away yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah well I love that for you and we're gonna wrap up soon but I wanted to see or I wanted to ask you um to share one of your favorite memories of Fox and one of Boone one well so yeah you sent me these questions and I thought about that and with Fox one of my favorite memories I kind of have two um one is I vividly remember the first time that John felt him kick um and we were laying in bed and we were building a house at the time so we lived in this apartment which was awful wish we would have not lived in an apartment but you know it was fine (laughs) It was like one year, but we were all cramped up, but we were laying in bed and it was in, um, it was cold. I think it was, I don't remember. It was late, but I remember laying in bed and John put his arm around me and put his hand on my stomach. And I remember him going, was that him? Did he kick? And I was like, yeah, that was him. And I just remember that first time that he felt him kick. And I just think about that a lot. And I just, I'm so glad that John got that experience because yeah he was able to at least feel him I know I could but I was so happy that John was able to experience that um and the other memory of Fox is we did get a really killer um sonogram picture at that 20-week appointment even though it was a pretty 
rough appointment. We got a really good picture um, of his little face and he had just a little bitty crooked smile. Um, Mm. And I have that in our memory box that I have hanging in our bedroom. And I love that picture. And so those are kind of two of my favorite memories um, from Fox. And then with Boone, I mean, my goodness, every single day he (laughs) (laughs) says something hilarious or does something hilarious. Um, but I just, every time he says mom or mama, and now he's starting to say, love you, love you. Or he tells me, sorry, mom, sorry, mom. I'm like, he has the biggest heart (laughs) and he really cares. Like he is very concerned about others' feelings. And if I tell him like, you know, like he did something bad and I said, I hurt mama's feelings and he'll come give me a hug and give me a kiss and tell me, sorry, mom. And that is like the best thing ever. <laughs> just knowing that he has such a big heart and he does not like hurting anyone's feelings. I'm like so grateful for a little boy that cares about others' feelings. So that's something that, that just stands out to me with him. Aww. And of course he's like has some killer dance moves, you know. <laughs> I mean, with that hair and that adorable face, who yeah. wouldn't have killer dance moves? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, literally every time I see a picture of him, I'm just like he is one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen. Oh, I love this kid. I don't even, I have never officially met him, but just seeing him, I'm just like, oh, I love this yeah. kid. He's so yeah. cute. He but yeah, awesome. his newborn pictures and the, that hair, I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That yeah, hair. That little cowboy hat that my husband yes. bought him. It was like the tiniest cowboy hat I've ever seen. It was adorable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And seeing him on the horse with your head, like, oh, yeah. I love it. So yeah. cute. Well, I like to ask every guest at the end of every show, what right now brings you joy? It can be anything. Oh my gosh. I mean, what I know your baby joy? brings you joy. I mean, yes, Boone, honestly, it's Boone, Boone and John both. Yeah. Um, we, we bought, we, I've always wanted an RV. And so when Boone was one and a half, we said we would wait till he was two, but I got antsy and we went and bought a motor home. <laughs> and, um, I told John, I was like, it's something I've always wanted. It's like a dream. I've always wanted a motor home and I want to go camping. And we just went camping this last weekend and just, I mean, flat out sitting in a lawn chair, listening to music, watching Boone run around and play in the grass with his trucks or pretend finding dinosaur bones. I mean, just seeing him have a ball, um, and laugh and be so happy. That is like the ultimate, that is what brings me joy. So I I love my job. I love what I do. I love our work. We do, you know, some real estate here and there. I'm have my architecture firm. I love all of those things, but if all of those things went away tomorrow and I still had a happy little boy that liked to play out in the yard with me and give me hugs and pretend to have picnics and dig for dinosaur bones. I, none of that even matters yeah. like, at all. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story really appreciate you coming on and sharing that. So I am happy to thank you for asking me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this story as much as I did. Please leave a review and subscribe to our podcast.